Let's all stand to our feet. That's why we're here tonight, to give him glory. Amen? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Let's pray and ask the Lord to move. All of you that will come and just gather around the altar. Brother John Smith, where you at? Brother John, come up here and lead us in prayer. Good to have you and your family with us tonight. Pastor from, in, from Trenton, good to have him in our service. Let's pray and ask the Lord just to move tonight in a special way. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, it's so wonderful to be in this place tonight. We're so privileged to be able even to call on your name. Father, we recognize the great price that was paid that we might enjoy this privilege. And tonight we humble ourselves before you in gratitude. Lord, our desire tonight is to receive, but God, to be a blessing to you also. Father, I pray that you would move into this place in a special way through the Holy Spirit in this hour. Father, I don't know, but I'm sure there are needs all over this building right now and burdens on hearts. And I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, through your power, to lift those burdens tonight. Father, there might be someone in this place right now that has never trusted you as their personal Savior. And I ask you right now, Father, to begin drawing them to yourself. That even in the midst of a Sunday night service, they might come to know you. God, we're thirsty, and we long to, with mouths that are wide open, we long for you to fill us tonight. Speak to my heart, Father, I pray, and I'll thank you for it. Fill the preacher with your power. Use him, God, to minister the bread of life to those that are, that are hungry, and we'll thank you for it. We leave it in your hands. God, thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We love you, Father. And ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.
Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering and encourage you to be faithful in your giving. I mentioned this morning, uh, one of the things that many of you are doing is you're giving your tithe and your offering. Of course, I believe that's biblical, 10% of what we're blessed with, we give back to God. And then, of course, we give an offering which is over and above that to show our appreciation to the Lord. And all of that's in the Bible. But many of you are giving something over and above even that designated every week to the building fund. And I want to say thank you for all of you that are doing that. And it's enabling us to reach our goals. In fact, we wouldn't be reaching our goals if you were not doing that. But let me encourage all of you each week to designate something to the building fund. And, of course, it's been up over $1,000 every week that is coming in toward the building fund. And I appreciate you doing that. And uh, we just, all we need is 2.5 million more, and we've got it. So give, give. And, of course, I expect to have that by August. So you give, and uh, uh, we make it from the bank, but we'll, we'll get it. Amen. But we're excited about everything. We we're got all of our plans, parking, all the problems, and, and uh, getting that. But uh, hopefully here in just a few weeks, as soon as we can get our permits back, uh, this all this out here is going to totally change. You will not, it won't even look like the same place around here. And all of that's going to be done. And then, of course, I've got uh, planning commission got a meeting in the morning for all this property back through here and closing alleys and different things. But uh, as I said this morning, we're just now getting to the point where you're going to start seeing things happening. So give and be faithful in the giving. And everyone, I mean, let me just challenge you to give to the building fund. In fact, what I may do, I'm going to check your giving, and if you didn't give to the building fund, I may not let you in it first Sunday. Can I get an amen right there? So let's give. Father, thank you for the privilege of giving to you, and what a joy it is to be able to give to you. So bless the offering tonight and all the needs that we have. Prove yourself, and you have proven yourself to be God. Continue just to magnify your ability and our experience here. In Jesus' name, amen.
It's a good thing Brother Ken preached on what he did this morning. Because all week I've been thinking about that. And I got in the middle of the week and all I could think about was Tim's song. I can only imagine. But you know, I sit back and I kind of chuckle a little bit. Because all those people all over are stressed about everything, trying to solve all the problems. But see, I know how it ends. And I thought, the devil thinks he's got everything under control, all messed up. But God's got a plan. And that's what I just laugh at, because God moves, and he, when he does things, he does things right. Like Brother Ken says, well, a lot of times we just have to wait on him. We're waiting for him now to tell his son to come take us home. Listen to this song. A silence field, the city of light, or the army.
tonight as the choir's coming down. This is your opportunity now to get out and make sure everyone, we got visitors tonight, make sure they feel welcome. Then we'll sing a few verses, but get out right now, shake hands, get around everywhere.
Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to ask Ronnie if he'll come now and sing for us. second verse again. That's worth singing again. Woo! My first day at home. You know where I want to be. I hope to see you there. hope to see you there. There are many gone before me that I long to see once more. Come out to meet me. 
beside my mansion door, but they'll understand the reason <laughs> I keep looking toward the throne. There's something. Wasn't that good? That's one of Ronnie's songs. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, that is excellent. I praise the Lord. That song we do with the choir, He's Coming Again. That's Ronnie's. That, uh, that's good. That, that blessed my heart. My eyes will never leave Him. My first day at home. That is so true. Find in your Bible 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you would please. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to just draw your attention to one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I just want to share with you a thought tonight. In fact, an unusual title I give to it, but it's what comes to my mind when I think of it. I want to talk to you about 10 can Christians. Would you stand as we honor the reading of his word? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and just one verse of Scripture, and that's verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 7. I love this verse. But we have, now there's a lot of things we have as a believer, amen? A lot of things. But he tells us in verse 7, but we have this treasure, but notice where we have this treasure, in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I look at it again. He tells us that we have this treasure. This treasure is in earthen vessels. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And tonight we'll look at these few verses of Scripture and share with you a few things tonight that I trust the Lord will use to encourage your heart about being a vessel. Our Father, in Jesus' name, what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. 
how our hearts have been blessed already. All through this day, Lord, you've been here. Your presence has been real. And we thank you and we bless you and give you honor and glory. Father, we stand amazed at all that you have done for us. And we stand amazed at the fact, Lord, that you would want to use us and that you have set us apart to be a vessel. Lord, that's an amazing thought that we are vessels of the Lord. So, Father, tonight, speak to us and help us tonight to glean from your word thoughts that will encourage us to be all that we should be. And we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you look at the Bible, you'll find that the Christian is described in many, many different ways. There are many metaphors that are employed in the Bible to define and to depict and to describe who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks of us as being saints. The Bible speaks of us as being sons. Sometimes we refer to as sheep. And on and on and on, you'll find there are numerous ways in which the believer is described. But here in our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, the believer is described as a vessel. We find in 2 Corinthians 4 that he talks about earthen vessels, and he talks about the believer, and he speaks of a vessel and a certain type of vessel that we'll look at in just a moment that defines what it means to be a Christian. Mark your place and look at 2 Timothy 2 and verse 20. You have the same thought there. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, the Bible said, but in the great house... There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. That's the same word used there that we find in our text. But there are earth there, some to honor and some to dishonor. Verse 21, let me read that. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Again, there's the ideal of being a vessel. Paul speaks about a great house, and in that house, there are all kinds of vessels. Some of them, he said, are vessels unto honor, and some of them, he said, are vessels unto dishonor. What he's talking about, there's vessels in the house that are commended, and there are vessels that are condemned. He is talking about vessels that are usable and vessels that are not usable. When he talks about vessels under honor, he's talking about vessels that are usable in the hand of the Lord. And that's the kind of vessel I want to be, don't you? Vessels that are honorable, pleasing to God, usable to the Lord. But he also talks about vessels of dishonor. These would be dirty vessels. These would be unclean vessels, vessels that the Lord cannot use. I remind you tonight, God wants to use you. And God can use you, but he will not use a dirty vessel. And I, one of the pictures that comes to my mind when he talks about dishonorable vessels is of plates or dishes that have been used in a previous meal. And of course, you would not use them again. They are dirty vessels, and they're not usable. Thinking about dirty vessels like that, I think about a story I read one time about this couple that was traveling. And they were back out in the country somewhere, and so they pulled into this little roadside cafe to get them something to eat. And so they ordered, and their food was brought to them. And the wife, uh, she looked down, and she noticed that her plate was dirty. And so she asked the waitress, she said, has, my, has these dishes been washed? And the waitress said, they're as clean as soap and water can get them. 
And so the wife, she's a little bit hesitant, but she went on and began eating. Well, in a few minutes, she noticed the waitress walk through against this little country roadside cafe. She watched her walk, walk through the restaurant with a stack of dishes. She went to the back door, opened the door, and then she hollered, Here soap, here water. Say amen right there. That's bad, isn't it? Amen. That's a dirty vessel. But he's talking about being vessels unto honor. Look at our text again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He's talking about the Christian. He's talking about being a vessel for the Lord. Let me just point out three things that comes to my mind when I think about as he talks about this earthen vessel in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. The first thing that I want to point out to you is this, that it is an insignificant vessel. It is an insignificant vessel. For notice how he describes it in verse 7. He talks about earthen vessels. Underscore that statement there. The same thought is found in 2 Timothy 2.20 when he talked about vessels of wood and earth. The vessels of earth in 2 Timothy 2.20 and these earthen vessels are the same, has the same thing in mind. Literally what he's talking about is a clay pot. One translator translated this way, but this treasure is lodged in a body of fragile clay. Another translated as utensils of clay. And another translated as nothing but a common earthware jar. So when he's talking about these earthen vessels, keep in mind now, he's talking about a simple clay pot. Now let me just give you two things concerning that. For one thing, I think about how descriptive that designation or that, 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 that picture is, how descriptive it is, is. You see, in Paul's day, there was nothing more common than a clay pot. The poorest of the poor could have a clay pot. Anybody could have a clay pot. All they had to do was to find some clay, dig that clay up, and then form that clay and let it dry. And they had them a clay pot. They may want to make them a dish. They may want to make them a bowl to drink out of or something to hold water in. It was just a clay pot. Again, anybody could have one. There was no vessel that was any more common than an earthen vessel or a vessel of earth or a clay pot. Now, when I think about what Paul is describing, I think if he was living today, this is what Paul would say. Because we don't use clay pots. We don't go out and dig up dirt and make us a clay pot, make us something to drink out of or eat out of and whatever there. I believe if Paul was living in 2002, this is probably what he would say. He would say, he would speak of, we have this treasure in tin cans. Because there is nothing in my mind's eye that is any more common today than a tin can. You think of anything any more common or insignificant than just a tin can? Now, I've heard of people collecting everything. I've heard of people collecting china. I've heard of people collecting depression glass. But have you ever met anybody that collected tin cans? Have you? Have you ever found anybody or met anyone that that was what they searched the flea markets for and that's what they went out and spent their money for? No, nobody collects tin cans. You don't buy tin cans at a jewelry store. You don't buy tin cans at the expensive shops. You don't mail order tin cans. Uh, that's nothing but a common vessel today, a tin can. But I want to remind you something. That's exactly what we are at our very best tonight. Strip Jesus Christ from us and strip the Holy Spirit from us that lives within us and in ourselves and by ourselves. We're nothing but a clay pot. 
We're nothing but an ordinary tin can. How descriptive that is of a believer's life. But may I say, second of all, how deflating that is. Because when I think about what we are apart from Jesus Christ, and I think about it at the very best, we're nothing but an old earthen jar, we're nothing but a clay pot, or nothing but an old tin can, that's deflating because there's some of you here tonight, you really thought you were something special, didn't you? You really thought that you were really, really, really something. I mean, you thought that if there was ever a vacancy in the truth, but a tin can. I want you to understand that tonight. There's not a one of us that has any reason to strut around here and hold up our nose and milk our sanctimonious chin and act like we're God's gift this world because the truth of the matter is we're nothing but a bunch of tin cans. Can I get an amen right there? In fact, I think about one wife, she was talking one time, and she said, me and my husband, we have been happy for 36 years, and the reason is because we're both in love with the same man. Well, that would describe a lot of folk. We really think we are something, but God has a way of deflating us. I think about this fellow that went to work for a supermarket, and he reported for his first day of work, and the manager walked up to him and handed him a broom and said, sweet. And the fellow looked at him and said, but sir, you don't understand. I am a university graduate. He said, well, hand me and I'll show you how to, hand me the broom and I'll show, me, show you how to do it. Well, God knows how to bring us down. God knows how. And because, because at the very most, understand this tonight, we are tin cans. How deflating it is. So the first thing that comes to my mind is how insignificant this vessel is he's speaking of. It is a clay pot. But look at something else I pulled from the text. Not only do I see an insignificant vessel, nothing but a clay pot or a tin can, but I find it is an inhabited vessel. See, I want you to understand something tonight. It is not the can that's special. Now, think with me for just a moment. It is not the can that's special. Again, a tin can is just a common vessel. Nobody, as I said, collects tin cans. There's nothing really valuable about tin cans. It's not the can that's special. It's the contents that is special. For notice it's not what we are, the can, but it's who lives within us. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure. What is he talking about? He's talking about Christ all that has been made available to us in Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Again, I repeat, it is not the can. It is the contents that makes the difference. What, I want you to understand this tonight. What makes you unique and what makes each one of us special tonight is not who we are, but who lives within us. When you look at that, you think about two things. One, I think of a glorious habitation. Now, you stop and think about it tonight. Think about this. God dwells in our bodies. God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, indwells our life. Now, you stop and think about the significance of that. Back in the Old Testament, God inhabited a building. Solomon built a beautiful structure for God's house on the earth. In fact, I read one time how back in 1925, the Illinois Society of Architects set out to estimate the cost of building the temple. And they estimated that the cost of building the temple alone, if they were to rebuild the structure that Solomon built, 
The cost of just building the building itself, not the furnishings, not the furniture and whatever the vessels that was involved there, but if they were to build, this was in 1929, it would cost them $87 billion to rebuild the temple. And you consider for 1929 inflation in the year 2002, it would cost at least $500 billion to build the temple in 2002. That was God's house. But in the New Testament, God doesn't live in a building. God lives in a body. I understand tonight, God doesn't live in a church. He lives in a Christian. This building we often call the house of God. We say the church is God's house. No, the Christian is God's house. God doesn't dwell in a building. He dwells in a believer. He doesn't live in sanctuaries. He lives in saints. He doesn't live in places. God lives in people. In the Old Testament, he lived in a holy building, but in the New Testament, he lives in a human body. God lives within us tonight. That's this glorious habitation. But that leads me to a second thought. That's a gracious habitation. Now, you stop and think about it. Here's a holy God. Here is a great God. Here's a glorious God. And here is this God living in a human body. And not just a human body, but in my body. Now, I don't know about you and what you think about yourself, but I deserve to be in hell with my back broke tonight. I don't deserve anything God has done for me. I didn't earn my salvation. I don't deserve my salvation. But yet tonight, God lives in my body. I don't deserve that, but thank God he lives in my body. As far as I'm concerned, the story of grace reaches its epics with this wonderful truth that he indwells the body of people that should have gone to hell. In the Old Testament, he lived in a sacred place, but in the New Testament, he now lives in a sinful people that have been redeemed by the grace of God. How amazing that is. That is the kind of vessel we are. We're nothing but a tin can. Nothing but a clay pot. But God has taken up residence in our life, an inhabited vessel. But look at the third and the final thing. Are you still with me? We are an insignificant vessel in ourselves. We're nothing but a tin can. But God lives in our little old tin cans. He dwells us, and that makes us, thirdly, an important vessel. Think about it. We're nothing but tin cans. The can itself is not, the vessel is not the can. It's not the can that is special. It is the contents that is special. And because of who lives within us, then it makes our purpose very, very, very important. If you were to go out to the trash or somewhere and just pick up an old tin can, it wouldn't be worth anything. It wouldn't mean anything, just an old tin can. But if that can was filled with contents, then it becomes valuable because of what is in that content. But the can, the can by itself has no purpose, but yet when there is contents, there is a purpose now given to that can. Now, what is the purpose we have tonight? We're an old tin can, but God lives within us, and that gives us a divine reason. What is that reason? Two simple things. Number one is this. The purpose of our lives, and as far as being a, a tin can, is to dispense the contents. You know what makes this important tonight? 
is that we're a can and Christ lives within us and we have this great purpose of dispensing the contents. And that is what I'm talking about is that what is on the inside, we're to give to someone else. We're to share with someone else. We're to tell others about Christ and to share what is on the inside. I want you to understand something. This world is needing more than a cup and saucer collection. We're not just a bunch of china plates on display up here on Sunday morning. We're more than a bunch of teacups parading around and showing off our value. We're an old tin can that's been filled with Jesus, and we want everybody to have what we've got. There's the dispensing of the contents, telling others about Christ, getting the news out, letting other people know, and telling them about the Lord. I think it's D.L. Moody who once made the decision in his life and vowed in his life that he would not let a day go by that he didn't tell somebody about the Lord. And there was a night that Moody went to bed. It had been a long day, a long, tiring, exhausting day. It was late, and he laid down, and it dawned on him. He hadn't spoken to anybody about the Lord that day. Moody laid there for a moment, then he got up, put his clothes on, and he went out and began walking the streets until he found somebody that he could talk to and tell about the Lord. That's being a can. That's having a purpose. That's dispensing the contents. I'll never forget years ago hearing Dr. Rice tell a story that I've never forgot. Bless my heart. And he was telling about as a young man, he went to First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas to hear the great Gypsy Smith. And he said the building was packed out. When he went in that night, Gypsy Smith stood up and he talked about uh, Christ and, and challenged them to win people to the Lord. In fact, Gypsy Smith said to him that night, I challenge you to go out of here and to witness to the first person that you come to. Uh, John R. Rice, Dr. Rice said, I made a vow that I was going to witness to the first person that I came to that night. Service was ended. Dr. Rice made his way out, started down the street, and there stood a cabbie. He said, I walked up to the cabbie, and I said, I want to ask you a personal question. And he asked him if it was saved. He said, the cabbie's eyes began to fill with tears. His lips began to quiver. And he said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, would you mind telling me about when did you get saved? And tears began to stream down his cheeks. He said, just a few minutes ago, he said, this gypsy fellow came by and told me about the Lord. I'm talking about that's what you have, Christ living on the inside of you. You're nothing but an old tin can. You're an old clay pot. But something on the inside is to be dispensed. That's one of the purposes for the can. Amen? I'll tell you another reason for the can. Not only to dispense the contents, but second of all, to display the contents. He talked about that the excellency may be of God and not we of ourselves. Now, you know what we do? This is what we do. We put all of the attention on the can. We emphasize the can. We brag about the can. We talk about the qualifications of the can. Oh, we talk about how this can, where this can has been, and how this can has been used, and what degrees this can has, and how big this can is, and how popular this can is, and how wonderful this can is, and how many great things this can can do. We put all of our emphasis on the can. But I want you to understand something tonight, that the emphasis is not to be placed on the can. The emphasis is to be placed on what's in the can. It's like the label on the can. And the label out there, it has on there Del Monte pears. It's not saying Del Monte cans. It is not saying Del, peel this label off to see the beauty of this can. Look at the texture. Look at the uh, uniformity of the ripples in this can. No, it advertises and displays what is on the inside of the can. I want you to listen to me tonight. Our purpose in this world 
is to dispense what is on the inside, but also to live the kind of life that reveals who lives on the inside. Someone says it really doesn't matter how we live. It does matter how we live. It does matter because I want you to understand something. It's more than just giving ourselves a bad name. It is, it is, it is, it is giving a bad name to who lives within us. We are to draw attention to Christ. We're to live in such a way that what is on the inside is made evident in our life. You see, say, Brother Ken, I could never be used to God. I'm not a vessel. God takes all kinds of vessels. There are little bitty cans. There's big old cans. But God takes every kind of can that is. The difference is this. It's like D.L. Moody said. We can be too big for God to use us, but we can never be too small. Another said the smallest package in the world is people that are wrapped up in themselves. As long as we think we're some china plate or some real valuable piece of depression glass, we'll never be used of God. But when we stop and realize that at our very best, we're an old tin can, but God lives on the inside of us, then God can take us and do something with our lives. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. You're a tin can, but God can use you. And God can do something with your life. Those who are going to be baptized, you can slip out, begin to get ready. But I want to challenge you tonight. I want you to do this. Say, oh, I'm nothing but an old can. Good. God wants to, he, he lives within you. He wants to take you and use you for the glory of God. Will you let him use your life? Will you let him take you and do something with you and magnify himself through you so that he's seen through your life? Will you do that? Our Father in Jesus' name, as we come to you tonight, we ask you to speak to us. I thank you, Lord, that you live within us. I don't understand why you'd live within us. I don't understand why you'd live in my life, but I want to thank you that you do. Father, we want you to take us and do something with us and use us. Father, tonight, let everyone in this room understand who they are and what they are, but may they understand who is, is within them and the role they have and the purpose they can serve. Take us this bunch of tin cans. And Father, may we be vessels for you. In Jesus' name, amen.